I I didn't uh, note where I stopped last week. Where was I? Anybody put a mark? I was working through the introduction, and um, I talked a little bit about the background and and who Titus was. Um, did I talk about the emphasis of the, of what the letter is about? The fact that it's a pastoral position uh, epistle. And so it's going to talk about things like the qualification for elders. It's not the only book that talks about them, but it does talk about them. And it stresses, it's going to stress sound doctrine. Uh, that's one of the cool things that we do here. We, we seek to know the truth and not to in, exegete out into the word. We want to know what God has to say. Precisely. Um, it ta- it's going to talk about the ethical obligations of elderly men and women, and also young men and women and servants. And it warns against false teaching. Um, the two main doctrinal issues are in chapter 2, the first 14 verses, which is grace. And chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. So, uh, in, the, in the form of an outline, um, one, there's a, a qualification and duties of elders. What are they? You'll be able to judge Roger and myself. Uh, the need of elders. Do we need them? Um Personal prerequisites to being an elder, doctrinal qualifications, ability to refute opponent of sound teaching, the ability uh, to to identify deceivers, and in the case of Titus, uh, it talks about the character of, you know what a cretin is? I looked at it and thought, what is a cretin? What is a cretin? C-R-E-T-A-N. What is that? Oh, somebody from Crete. That's exactly what it is. He was a, he was a, the elder of the church on Crete. And they were, uh, 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 they were um, how do I describe them? They weren't exactly at the top of the intellectual level or their behavior either. So they were pretty tough to deal with. So we'll, we'll, he'll talk about that. Uh, then we'll talk about the uh, pastoral work, uh, in ter- terms of various groups and older men, older women, younger men, younger women and servants. And then the appearance of life-changing grace. I'm going to talk about grace later, too. So, And then an exhortation to godly living, which has to do with subjection to others, behavior based on mercy shown to sinners, and the need for continual sound teaching and leading to good works. So, in conclusion, the last... Two chapters of Acts tell us of Paul's arrival and imprisonment in Rome and brings us approximately to the year 62 A.D. 
between that time and his death, five or six years later, uh, we have three New Testament books written, First and Second Timothy and Titus. And those three books actually share a common theme. Uh, each is written as an indiv- to an individual man rather than to a whole church. Uh, both Titus and Timothy have a unique position of, in the early church, that they were authorized representatives of the Apostle Paul. So he identifies Timothy and Titus as, these two guys represent me. And so they're, um, you can trust them. Titus represents Paul in the church in the island of Crete and Timothy in the city of Ephesus. Figure the dates are 62 to 64 for Timothy uh, and Titus and 67 for 2 Timothy. Okay. Uh, A couple of notes on introduction. Though Paul had a very personal relationship with Timothy, and, and this is one thing we'll notice as we go through. This relationship is set aside here. And his apostolic authority is stressed, giving the letter an official tone. So this isn't a letter written to to my son Timothy or my buddy Timothy. This is doctrinal. This is how it's supposed to be, Timothy and Titus. Um, Timmy's, Timothy, First uh, Timothy contains instructions for Christ's servants at all times. Uh, Paul had seen Jesus Christ, was commanded by Jesus Christ, and thus had the authority of Jesus Christ. That's what the authority of an apostle is, and that's how you got to be an apostle. Uh, The way Paul expresses a divine relationship to his apostleship is unusual. In other places, he speaks of being called, Romans 1.1, 1-1, or being commissioned by the will of God, 1 Corinthians 1-1. But here, he refers it to a divine commandment. He is an apostle by divine imperative. Kind of interesting. So, he's going to open up the uh, book with the reminder of his apostleship office because It's more than a personal letter. It's full of instructions for future workers and in the cause, uh, future workers in the cause of Christ. The fact that Paul was an apostle by the commandment of Christ not only shows the importance of his writings, but indicates that all of his writings are inspired. So, Lastly, by the interchange of terms referring to God and Christ, Paul clearly implies that Christ is deity. And uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Okay, so, any questions? That's really clear, right? Okay, so let's look at the first uh, four, actually um, the first three verses. And Paul starts out, uh, really interesting, he says, Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of those chosen of God 
and the knowledge of the truth, which is according to godliness, I it would take me an hour to write a sentence like that. There's so much in there. <laughs> so, Paul, a bondservant. The first question that I sent out to you was, what's a bondservant? What does it mean? Slave of Christ. Slave? Not bad. It's the Greek word doulos. Um, in English, we would we use the word servant. If we did, we'd think of a just a worker. But the Greek word doulos involves a lot more than that, because it implies surrender of one's will to another. In this context, the surrenders to who? Yeah, it implies Paul's surrender of his will to God. So, the designation of men as servants of God in the Old Testament was applied to Moses and all the prophets. To be a servant of God is to carry out his will and do uh, and to carry out his will it must be known got to know what his will is Amos 3 7 talks about that Amos 3 7 says surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servants the prophets that's from Chester Macaulay so Amos tells us that if you're a a bondservant of the Lord, he's going to tell you his his will. And he's going to let you know what he would have you do. Well, in the case of the body of Christ the church, is that only to a select few? Or is it to the whole body? Think so? I think so, too. We have, you think about it, in 2023, every one of us owns at least one Bible um, for our own instruction. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit so that we can understand what he wrote. And so in terms of understanding the secrets of God's will, we've got it. In the Old Testament, uh, you know, people like uh, the prophets Sometimes, I mean, they did. They couldn't go to your local Christian bookstore and buy a copy of the Old Testament, and neither could could the believers uh, at the time of the beginning of the church. So, I think we're all in that position as members of the body of Christ. You know, in the Lord Jesus, you see it in John. He goes. He starts to work with the disciples, and he then he gets to the gets to the point where he calls them friends, and he says, "I don't call you servants anymore. You're now friends," and then he calls them brothers. And so the whole idea is is that the relationship that you have with the Lord Jesus is one of intimate fellowship. You know, so. Uh, 
in the Old Testament, you didn't see that. There was just, yeah. Yeah, and I like it says that, you know, we uh, take the position of bondservant, but that um, for the Lord's part, he binds himself to care for his servants. Isn't that interesting? So, and that's a part of it that we don't think about. That God, uh, God asks us, or actually tells us that because we're one in Christ, we should submit our will. But he's done it to us, too. He's he's not standing in the white tower doing this. With, that's what Reformed theology teaches you, this. And he's saying, look, we're one. And uh, the behavior of the believer is exactly what my behavior is because you have the same life. And the great thing about believers, uh, for all eternity, I don't know if I can portray this. We like to think about heaven. We like to think about going home. But I have thought that if I'm in Christ, united to him, in him, whatever, however term explains it, when we get to be the, uh, we get the glory the triune God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. And that means that their minds and their wills and everything is in unison. They're, n- n- they're not persuading each other. They're not having a meeting about what we're going to do. They know. And they're all in unison. So if we're in Christ, we get plugged into that triangle. Right? We're not deity. But we get into that stream of of the mind of Christ in that relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit, and and I mean that your mind can't grasp what that's going to be like. But if we're one in Christ, that doesn't mean that you know every afternoon he's off somewhere with the Father and the Holy Spirit. There's no place that he goes that we're not there in him. Yeah, well, I think getting back to kind of what Joanne said, the. Uh, it, 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 his bond to us, you know, kind of goes back to, you know, Christ in me, or I'm in Christ. Which, which is more important, or which is greater? I mean, yeah. you know, Christ in me is amazing, but I'm in Christ, and you know, both of those are are you know amazing aspects of where we are right now. And it actually going back to the do laws, I was looking at Zodiades, and I think. It kind of had an interesting twist. It's it's a slave, one who is in permanent relation of servitude to another, his will being altogether consumed in the will of the other. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, does that describe us? (laughs) Am I consumed by his will? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Can I I pitch in a thought from, this goes back to something we read in Rideout, you referred to this uh, in Deuteronomy 15. Uh, it shall come about if he says to you, I will not go out from you because he loves you and your household since he fares well with you. Then you shall take an awl and pierce it through his ear into the door and he shall be your servant forever. Also, you shall do likewise to your maid servant. And and uh, we talked about that a bit then, but um, there's the um, 
also in the in the context of talking about the fact that if if the if the master gives you a wife as a slave gives you a wife and you have a family then you are by by accepting that you're willfully choosing to be his servant forever and i i think for us in the body of christ of course um the 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 master i, I think it's interesting that he's he's refers to himself as a doulos of God and then the apostle of Jesus Christ because God is the father and the master who has given us uh, to uh, to his his son as a, as a bride and and because of that union there's a permanent uh, there's a permanent position of uh, doulos within mm-hmm. God's household if that makes sense mm-hmm. that's good um, and Another thing I found, I read or, or found about uh, a doulos um, is a, uh, the Greeks thought of it as a servile term in use among the Greeks for a slave. This abject servile attitude on the part of a pagan slave finds an expression in the true Christian humility on the part of the Christian who regards himself as a slave of Jesus Christ. This is not, you know, in, in, in most cultures in the Old Testament, you could buy your way out of servitude or slave. These are people that made a decision that I'm sticking. I'm staying with my master because maybe I love him. Or we have, uh, you know, we think alike, that kind. And I, I really like, uh, you know, being involved with him. Um, it's interesting that in the in the New Testament, God is always revealing to us what His will is, and it's always based on grace, and it's always based on a life that's His life. We call it the life of the resurrected Christ, and we have the nature in us that is in harmony with that life. And we want to be that way. Would you say that the Lord Jesus is the servant of the Father? I think so. Yeah. How about the Holy Spirit? Is he servant to the Father and the, and the Lord Jesus? Yeah, I was really impacted by that in the book of John and Jesus all the time talking about, I'll only do the will of my Father in heaven. Yeah. That's the nature of a servant, always doing yeah. his work. So the, maybe to sum this question up, the problem we have is that we have sin natures. And you know what the, the hallmark of the sin nature is? Me. I am the center of the universe. And, you know, God has to, if there is a God and we agree that there is a God, he still has to cater to me. We have to work this out somehow so that I'm satisfied. Well, that's not an attitude of a slave, you know. That's a good way to become a dead slave. <laughs> I Actually, I just came across something this morning, Luke 17, about the nature of a slave. Jesus is talking about it there. And, and you're, you know, we'll all be familiar with this, but he he says, uh, which of you having a slave plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, 
oh, come immediately and sit down and eat. But will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat and uh, clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink and afterwards you may eat and drink? And he's just talking about the nature of a servant is you don't do something because you're going to get something for it. No, you're, you're the nature of a slave is to serve and uh, not expecting something for it. Yeah. But in our case, it's because we have, we've already been given everything. There's nothing left that he can give us, yeah. you know? Yeah. We're not working for, for, uh, for, uh, uh, rewards. We're not working for, uh, the, the master to be kind to us, you know? So, um, servitude and slavery is something that most human beings, let me put it another way. I lost your audio feed, Mike. I lost your audio. It just dropped out here. I couldn't shut it off. There you go. <laughs> so what was Paul's servitude before he was saved? What, who, what? Law? No. What's that? No. Sin nature? Hmm? Sin. He's a slave to sin. Every human being born on the planet is a slave to sin. So you know what the big lie is, don't you? Especially we Americans, says so in the Constitution. You're not a slave to anybody. What did what did the Jews say to the Lord Jesus when he told them that their father was the devil? How did they react? They said, and they said, You've been in servitude all this time. And they said, We're not, we don't we don't serve anybody. Our father is God, is Abraham and it's God. While the Romans were down the street <laughs> controlling everything. The idea of slavery is a really important idea or understanding to have in terms of humanity. And God set it up so everybody is a slave to something. The big lie is, is that I'm not or that I am intelligent enough uh, capable and capable of making decisions and carrying them out for myself. You know, God willing, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who loves me. Really? Go jump off a building and see if you can fly. Well, whoops, well, I'll invent something called a glider, and then I can do it. Oh, yeah, I accomplished it. But the thing is, is that every human being before salvation is a slave to sin. Paul was born into sin when he was born. Think he knew it? No. Like also, I think I think it's just be, because because the way we look at slavery now, it seems like it's a bad thing. Yeah, and, and we the connotation is I don't want to be a slave. Right, I, 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 it's it's a horrible thing. Get away from it, and. And so when you say you're a bond servant, you know, I think a lot of people go, ooh, that's, that's a bad thing. That's, you know, you know, whips and chains and mistreatment and all that. And it, it's interesting. And when you think about how 
in Paul's epistles, he never says slavery is is a bad thing. No, and, and he just says, "Masters, be kind to your slaves. Slaves, work as unto the Lord, not you know." And and is that because we we are bond servants? So it wasn't you know something that was yeah. It was not a great system. By none of us would love to be in a slavery system, but. You know, it, 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 he never comes out and says slavery is a bad thing. And, and I, it's because of this that we are slaves. Yeah. I agree. You know, to Christ. If, if you're, if you're born into uh, slavery, let's say you're uh, born into, well, uh, another story just came into my mind. You ever been to Williamsburg, Virginia? Remember the, the the plantation that was there, which is really a small farm, you know, maybe two acres, and it had a wall around it of wood, and it had buildings. There was a house that people slept in, the house they cooked in, the house that they ate in, and the barn that, that well, in the house that they slept in, the mom, the dad, the kids, and the slaves all slept in the same room. The person that was the slave was a willing slave. And the master said, if you come and work for me for however long the contract is, I will feed you and protect you and clothe you. Okay, deal. And so I, I've, I, I, think I looked at that and I thought, well, these guys were, this was great. What a system. Because if you're, if you're just a, a, you know, a guy that doesn't have, a family or you don't have any money and you, you, you find yourself in the new land, America, well, you're looking around for a job. Well, that's a job. I'll sell myself to this farmer and I'll agree to work for him or help him. I mean, because everybody in the family worked. Nobody sat around and watched TV. Everybody worked. And the slave was just another hand, you know. Uh, I, I think for all of human existence, people who, especially people who were farmers, or were always looking for somebody to 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 come and work for them, because otherwise it was your responsibility, you know. Anyway, a um, couple things. Wasn't wasn't also I, just going back to I think Vern wouldn't it wouldn't at this time when the church was being formed, didn't Vern say it's like. Fifty percent or seventy-five percent of the world was oh slaves. sure. I mean, it was hugely dominated by people who were slaves. Sure, and, and so you know, it was kind of the accepted system, and you know, this was I'll provide for you, I'll do everything. So completely different than what we see today, too. Yeah, you know, and even even what you say, I mean, some of it was misconstrued, and yeah, there were horrible things, you know, how they brought in slaves here and. Mm -hmm you know, did all that. I mean, that we wouldn't want to go back to that. But I, I think at the time of the, of the early church, that was that was the accepted, you know, system of the world. What broke, if you were in servitude to somebody, what broke the contract? Usually, especially a doulos contract. A death. That was the thing that broke it. Let me ask you this. Do you think there are people smart enough 
on the American southern border today that aren't inviting people to come and be slaves for a while? I bet it's happening. Because, I mean, look at the, the, it has nothing to do with, you know, you, if you're a, a, a master, like a biblical type master, it'd be a great thing to have. You know, it's like, uh, um, uh, um, oh, what was his name? Oh, uh, Abraham. He said to God, look, you, you promised me an heir. And I don't have one, and I'm ninety some years old. Well, what's the deal? Are we not? Because if I, when I die, Eleazar is going to get my inheritance. Who was Eleazar? He was a slave in his house. See, so um, if Paul's identification with Christ in his death, which is in Romans six three, one of the reasons that it's talked about we were crucified we died with christ what did we die from slavery to satan for what reason that we might become slaves to christ yeah. that romans 6 says a lot more than uh, has a lot more ramifications than the fact that well we died and we're not a slave to sin anymore well the only way you get free from sin is to die out of it that's why the Lord Jesus became sin for us and died out of it. And we were included in that death. You see that? We're separated. A death did take place. So uh, we're now free, as Romans talks about, to be married to another or to be a slave to another. And who's the other? The glorified Christ. But people that are religious and people that are of of um, other religions, if you don't understand that principle, what's really going on is your slavery to sin and to Satan is 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 just being used by that group to get you to work. I didn't say that very clearly. If I'm a Buddhist, who do you think runs Buddhism? I'll make it. I'll make it even easier. If if I'm a uh, if I'm over here at the temple at Islam, who is Allah? Who is he really? He's Satan. And am I a servant? Are all those people servants to Satan? There's no question that they are. They're all doing whatever they do, and they think it's great, and uh, whatever they think, but they're slaves. Even if they become naturalized American citizens, they're still slaves. Okay. So before salvation, Paul was swallowed up in the will of Satan. He became a loving bondservant of the Lord Jesus through being born of the Holy Spirit. After he was saved, it's a good way to put it, his will was swallowed up in the sweet will of God. I really like that phrase. After salvation, Paul became bound to the Lord Jesus in bands so strong that only death could break them. 
and because the Lord Jesus and because the Lord Jesus became Paul's life and will never again die, Paul's union with the Lord Jesus is as strong that nothing can break. Nothing can break it. Um, okay. How am I doing time-wise? Oh, good. We can start on this. One. Do all servants want to be slaves? So just to uh, recap, this word doulos means means one who's bo usually born it into slavery. And uh, the Greek had a word for a person taken in war and sold as a slave, uh, an anthropompton or something, A-N-D-R-A-P-O-D-O-N. That was a, a person that uh, was captured in a, in a war and became a slave because they were a prisoner of war, maybe put it that way. But uh, doulos, this word doulos means that you're born into the slavery. Okay. So do all servants want to be slaves? How about all these guys in the Old Testament that were slaves? They want to be slaves? But that's not a doulos. That's not a doulos. Yeah. And I think Courtney, I think Courtney said it right. He said a Jew, like a Jew, his concept of slavery was not drudgery. You know, what's that sign you see that uh, beatings will commence at four o'clock? <laughs> they, they, you know, and I think I think it's also yeah between <laughs> spiritual and worldly. Yeah. yeah, that's I mean from a worldly perspective, nobody likes it, but from a spiritual sense, yes. It, and you and when you say willingly, those those who are not in Christ willingly serve a sin nature yeah and and love it and we who are in Christ love being in Christ so I I think it's it's the the division between worldly and spiritual you know nobody I don't think anybody in the world wants to be a slave per se other than maybe the what you said in like in Virginia you know in the early days maybe or, or I'll give a good example how about Joseph was he a slave? Put in the slave. Yeah. Yeah, he got to be the the number two guy in Egypt. Was he still a slave? Yeah, he was a slave to Pharaoh. It's a good gig. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe put it that way. The point is, is that in 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 like in a Jewish custom, it was an honor and a privilege to be a slave to whoever you were in, sla in slavery to. It really was. Eleazar, do you think Eleazar was a guy that was walk, walking around thinking, oh, I wish I could get free? No, it was the best deal he ever had in his life.
We lost your audio again. <laughs> You're back. I'm not going to put that in my pocket anymore. <laughs> um, now I lost my train of thought. Um, we think because of the what happened in the South that slavery is a bad thing, and you know all all this reparation stuff that's going on that we have to pay the white people have to pay blacks and Hispanics or whoever for for slavery. Well, the problem with that is is that Courtney and I come from an Irish background, and there were ancestors of mine that were slaves, definitely. But they were due losses. They make a deal in in Europe to come to the United States and and be a, a indentured slave for somebody until the dentures paid off. Did you want to do that? Yeah, it was nice to get it paid off. But in in uh, biblical times, there wasn't any thought about being. I mean, I my mindset about Eleazar is that he thought this was the greatest deal ever. Because if Abraham, he's an old guy, he's 90 years old, he doesn't have any kids. If he dies, I'm getting it. <laughs> sure he did. Yeah, he did. And I think that happens. That's That becomes the attitude, which puts the onus on how the master behaves himself. Okay. All right, while we're past, we've got to get the musicians in there practicing. So let's close. Dear Father, how we thank you for your grace towards us and the fact that we are slaves to you and your son, the Lord Jesus. And we're thankful for that. We pray in your son's precious name. Amen.